Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. My name's Chad. For those of you who haven't got a chance to meet, all of you watching online, we're great to, thankful to have you here at the Rhodes. At the Rhodes. <coughs> the Rhodes. It's like a constant state of puberty, like my whole life. Someday I'll get through it. My wife keeps thinking I'll get through it, but I still have not. My maturation process is a little slower. I did have a birthday this week, so I'm celebrating that. I'm excited about that. It's like my birthday week, so please continue to tell me happy birthday into next week. That would be fine. But no, we're just, again, thrilled to be with you and hanging out with you today. We're on a series called In Case of a Power Outage. And we don't want to have a power outage in our lives. We don't want to have a power outage in our homes. Uh, but uh, we've got some sermon notes there in your worship guide. If you'll pull those out, get your Bibles out. Or if you've got your phone, you can use the Version Bible app. Uh, we've got sermon notes available on there. But let's open up the Bible together to Ephesians chapter 1. Come on. We're just happy about the Bible, happy about Jesus. That's why we holler a little bit. We're just thrilled again to find out what God has to say for us about in case of a power outage. I've been on it for a couple of weeks, and this is our third week together that uh, I'm sharing on it. Today, I want to talk specifically about hope. Have you ever lost all hope in a situation? You ever been in a situation where you feel like, you know what, I've just, I've lost all hope. I just can't, I can't see how this is going to turn out any better. Benjamin Franklin said this. He said, hope is an essential constituent of human life. Hope is essential to human life. I'm reminded of the story in the Bible about the Apostle Paul. I don't know if you know about Paul. Paul wrote uh, almost two-thirds of the New Testament, a big portion of the New Testament. And Paul was uh, charged with a crime, and so they were taking him to Rome. He requested to be seen before Caesar, have his case tried before Caesar. So they were taking him to Rome, and they were taking him by boat. And as they were traveling, this huge storm came up. They gave the storm a name, so it had to be like a tropical storm or a hurricane because we give names to all those tropical storms that come up. So the storm comes up, and the storm is so bad that they're like throwing tackle boxes over all their weight. They're trying to get rid of all the weight out of the ship. They're trying to save their lives. It's so bad. But in this one verse, here's what Paul said. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Notice what it says For many days, no small tempest beat on us. And after that, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Have you ever felt like you've been beat on by circumstances? Notice it said many days. I'm not talking about when we have a bad afternoon, I'm not talking about even when we have a bad day or a bad week. I'm talking about over and over and over, either thoughts in your mind or circumstances in your life, they keep beating on you and beating on you and beating on you and beating on you. Just when you think you're through it, they come again and they beat on you again over and over. This is what I'm talking about. The waves beat on them until all hope for being saved was lost. How many of us have ever been there where we've been beaten over by a circumstance so much that if we're not careful, we start to lose hope that it's ever going to change. 
I can't break through. I can't break this addiction. I can't break this habit. I can't get out of this problem, this relationship issue, this job. It's one step forward, two steps back, beating on me again, again, and again. This is where we can find ourselves in life. But I want to tell you something today. Whether you're watching online or whether you're listening here, God has a word for you, and that word is hope. He wants to give us hope. He wants to give me hope that just because something's beating on me over and over, he doesn't want me to lose hope. There's hope for what God wants to do in our lives. One of the big causes of power outage in our life is when we begin to lose hope. Then, then we lose our power. We lose, we're not able to engage the power we have because we think, I've been trying for all this time and it's not made any difference, so why don't I just quit trying, right? It's like, I, I've been, it's just not changing, so why keep trying? I read a story, and again, if you're, uh, depending on your affiliation with animals, you'll have to excuse the severity of the story. I didn't do the experiment. I read about the experiment. But they did this experiment with lab rats. And what they did with these lab rats is they put them in these jars of water. You know, rats are excellent swimmers. So they put them in these jars where they couldn't climb out, and then they turned all the lights off. And so these rats were in these jars, completely dark room, couldn't see anything, and they wanted to see how long these rats could last. In the darkness of the room, they swam for six hours, and then they gave up and drowned. So they tried the experiment again, and they turned all the lights on where they could clearly see all around them. And they brought in the same type of rats, not the exact same rats, obviously, because they didn't make it through the first part of the experiment, but the same kind of rats put them in the same conditions except the only thing different was they turned the lights on. These rats swam for 17 hours before they gave up. More than double. What was the difference? How did one rat only last six hours and one 17? I want to submit to you, and I believe their experiment, their experiment promoted this or at least had this idea that when you can see, hope is encouraged. They swam over twice the amount of time because they could see in their surroundings. It stirs up hope. I believe in our life when we can see something light at the end of the tunnel, we can see how something's happened, it gives hope in us. When we lose hope is when we don't see anything changing, we don't see anything getting any different, we don't see it getting better, and we lose hope and we give up and we drown in our circumstances. But I want to tell somebody here to keep swimming. The prophet Dory wants to come out of me right now. Just tell you, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what circumstances you're in. But I want you to see something this morning that helps you to keep swimming. I want you to see, not me. I don't want you, there's nothing I can give you. But I want you to see something from God that causes you to keep on swimming. And don't give up. Here's why we're going to break it down today. Some of, our, some of our mistakes have caused us to get into trouble and maybe it's stuff we've done to ourselves. But just because we've got ourselves in bad situations doesn't mean God can't get us out. We've got to lead with hope. Lead with hope. Napoleon Bonaparte, he had some issues in life, but he did have one good thing he said. He may have had many good things he said, but here's one thing that I like about it. He said, he quoted this. He said, leaders are dealers in hope. They're not dope dealers, they're hope dealers. They're hope dealers. What does that mean? In our lives and situations, we're all this. We're on one side of the equation or the other. We either need hope or we need to give hope. 
There's times in my life where I need a hope dealer. I need one and I need a fix. Maybe this is too close of an analogy for some of you. I don't know. I'm just saying, I just want to be real. There's times where I need hope and I need someone to deal hope to me. And there's sometimes we need to be the dealers of hope. We need to be giving it to other people. We need to be encouraging people. But I can't give people what I don't have. I can't give you hope if I have none. I can't give you hope if I'm hopeless. Then it's going to be hard for me to encourage someone else. So that's what we're going to talk about today. How does God want us to experience hope through the power of his word? Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start reading in verse 15. It says, Now therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you. All right, here's where he wants to give to you and me. Give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him as right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, Jesus, and he gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now I want to go back to verse 17. This is a prayer that Paul's praying to the church of, of Ephesus. And he writes this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you two things. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of him. When we talk about this, in the knowledge of him, being Jesus, the knowledge of him, the word knowledge is just not knowing about him. Knowledge of God doesn't mean I go to church. Let me be very clear. Knowledge of God doesn't just mean I attend. Knowledge of him, this word knowledge, is a personal acknowledgement, like you know. Like not mama knows or daddy knows or preacher knows or cousin knows or auntie knows, grandma knows. You know. You have to know. When you have a personal knowledge, it creates a personal response. If there's a general knowledge, what somebody else knows, it doesn't change what I do. When they know something, it doesn't necessarily change my actions. But when I know something, this level of knowledge, it changes me. I've noticed this that with my kids as they've gotten older. When, I, when they were really younger, you know, I really tried to work with them on eating healthy, being nutritious, exercising, working out. They're like, yeah, yeah, pass the macaroni and cheese. And so trying to work with them on that. Well, now as they've gotten older, and, and my older two, you know, one's in college and one's getting ready to go to college, and they're, they're training, trying to get ready and athletic and stuff like this. Now all of a sudden, they're ordering like grilled chicken, <laughs> eating vegetables. I'm like <laughs> making daddy proud. <laughs> but when I knew it, it was wah, 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 wah. It didn't change their actions, but when they knew it, you see the difference? When you know Jesus, he changes you. When you hear about him, you say, that's nice. I probably ought to. But when you know him, when you know him, it says, mm, I, I got to react to that. I got to respond to that. And this is the kind of knowledge I'm talking about. In that kind of knowledge of him come two things, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What is wisdom? Number one, we need to understand that wisdom comes from God. 
Wisdom is our capacity to know something. It's skill, aptitude. It's, it's the know-how. It's the, it's the facts. God gives wisdom. Wisdom is not the, an alternative to God. Can I clear up something in the church? Can we stop saying we need to believe God, but we also need to use wisdom? Can we stop saying that? Because what it sounds like to me that believing God is not necessarily wisdom. Let me just tell you, if you're listening to God and hearing from God and following God, that is the ultimate source of wisdom. There is no other wisdom outside of God. Your Bible says that the, the, the world is foolishness compared to the wisdom of God. So when we say, you know what? God's told me to do this. Be careful when someone says, yeah, but you need to use wisdom. Because the wisdom of man might be foolishness to what God has told you to do. So we want the wisdom of God. But wisdom comes from God. Wisdom in all areas. Let me give you an example. I read this in my, just my daily Bible reading in Exodus chapter 31. He wants to give us wisdom in every area, in your relationships, in your finances, in your health, in your occupation. We don't want to categorize God and his wisdom to just churchy stuff and on Sundays. So here's what, in Exodus 31, God's talking to Moses about a guy named Bezalel. And he says, and I have filled him, Bezalel, with the spirit of God. Now hold up, Bezalel's spirit filled. He's filled with the spirit. What is this spirit of God good for? It says, in wisdom in understanding and in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, indeed, I have appointed with him a holy ab. Hey, if you're looking for a boy name, right there it is, a holy ab. <laughs> Jot that down, you're welcome. A holy ab, the son of Ahissamach. When your name's Ahissamach, you don't name your child Ahissamach Jr. That's why his name's Aholiab. <laughs> what are you going to call him, Maki for short? I mean, you... that was way too much detail for that scripture, but I just wanted to embrace that moment with you. <laughs> of the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom, right there, wisdom. I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Look what happened. Spirit of God put wisdom, and what did they do with this wisdom? Did they, did they preach messages? Did they lead praise and worship? Did they work in children's ministry? Look what this wisdom was for. All manner of workmanship to, to design artistic works, to work in gold, silver, bronze, cutting jewels for setting, carving wood. Maybe you don't see your career or your occupation in there, but I'm telling you the more knowledge of God we have, the more wisdom he'll give you for your craft. The knowledge of God will make you a better nurse. It'll make you a better carpenter. It'll make you a better farmer. It'll make whatever your life occupation is, knowledge of him will give you wisdom in that area. But we've just boxed it in that knowledge of God and wisdom from God is only for churchy stuff and on Sunday. But I'm telling you, whatever you do for a living, it will help you be a better school teacher. The wisdom of God will, be, will help your business. It will help you sell to clients better. It'll help you be a better doctor. It'll help you in every area. We need the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God comes from the knowledge of him. So this is why we want to know him. Look what it says. He says he not only gives a spirit of wisdom, but also a spirit of revelation. So what is revelation? Revelation is when he reveals something to you. Revelation reveals. He shows you something that you don't know. Something was there. You didn't know it. He showed it to you. That's what revelation is. It's not he put something there. It's that he showed you what was already there. 
So revelation is when God tells us or shows us something. Wisdom is what he tells us or shows us. So we've got what he tells us, wisdom, and the fact that he does tell us. So here's what we need in the knowledge of him. We need wisdom, we need capacity, we need information, and we need communication, we need revelation. All this comes from the knowledge of him. And as we grow in our relationship with him, he's wanting to tell us more things. This is why we need to know God. Let me give you this example. Sometimes if we're not careful, we'll only go to God for what he will tell us and show us. In other words, we only come to him to get what we want. We do that to vending machines. We don't really care about vending machines. We just want the chips. We just want the drink. I have no feelings towards the vending machine. I have strong feelings towards the whatever. Maybe I should come up with something. Chips. Yeah, sorry. That's not, that's not going to work for me. There's a chocolate chip cookie in the vending machine. Now we're talking. I just felt the anointing come on me right there. So I have no feelings for the box whatsoever. I just want to pay whatever cost I have to pay to get what I want. And if we're not careful, prayer can become just like that. That I don't really have care about God himself. I just want him to bless me. I want him to give me wisdom. I want him to answer my prayer. I want him to tell me what I need to know. I want him to help me with my kids. I want him to help me with my job. And he just becomes a vending machine that we go to. And evidently I've got to pay the price of spending 15 minutes talking to him. And if I will spend that 15 minutes talking to him, then maybe he'll spit out what I want. In the knowledge of him, that's what we're after. We need to know him. We get spirit of wisdom and revelation. But look what else happens. Going down to verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. Three things. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know three things. Number one is the hope of his calling. Number two, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And number three, what is the exceeding greatness of his power. I just want to deal with one because I want you to remember one today. If I give you three, you wouldn't remember three. I'm just going to give you one. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Here's what that word enlightened is, is the Greek word photizo, where we get the word photo. It just means like bringing light to something. So the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. In other words, you turn the light on to something so you can see something. It's like in the dark at your house, if you get up in the middle of the night and you kick the chair or in my house, you step on the toy and then you start praying to God all of a sudden in an unknown language as you bless them for leaving something sharp and hard on the floor. But no, you, that was there, but I didn't see it. God's saying there's things in our life that's going on that he says if I will open your eyes to see them, you can avoid them. How many has ever seen someone, the path of their life and their decisions, and you're like, Hey, why are you doing that in the dark? How many of us have all been there? Where we made decisions that we aren't proud of. We made decisions that I know someone looking at my life had to go, hey, doofus. Can you not see what you're doing? I'm like, no, 
I'm in the dark. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. This is what God's saying. When our eyes are open to see things differently, here's what happens. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. In other words, without my eyes being opened by God, I can't know what he wants me to know. Why do I keep making the same mistake? Why do you keep bumping your head against the same thing? Why are you taking one step forward and two steps back? Because your eyes have not been opened by God yet. And my prayer is that God will open our eyes so that all of us can see the things that God wants us to see. Because sometimes I'm a doofus. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know why I just got into this mess. And like, whoa, okay, now I see why. And this is what God wants to do. The eyes of your understanding need to be enlightened. Or we can't know. As long as we're living in the dark, we can't know. We can't see it. So what happens when, we, when our eyes are open? Here's what he says. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. We start out talking about hope today. How many of you ever felt like you lost all hope? The hope of his calling. I want to explain this. What is the hope of his calling? If you're saying, Chad, that if my eyes are open, I can know the hope of his calling. What is the hope of his calling? What does that mean? It sounds kind of like a churchy phrase. Calling is a very churchy word. Have you answered the call? One time someone asked me, he said, when are you going to answer the call, brother? And I said, I don't hear any phone ringing. <laughs> I had a little bit of sass, let me just tell you right now. <laughs> I wasn't always saved. And so calling, what's that mean? Hope, first off, let me give you hope. Hope means an anticipation, an expectation to look forward to look forward with confident anticipation, expectation. So when I'm talking about hope this morning, here's what I want you to believe. I want you to believe hope is looking forward. If you're going to live a life of hope, you got to look forward. Like you can't drive looking through the rearview mirror. You can't drive forward. That's only for going backwards when we look through that thing. we got to look through the windshield. So we're looking forward. Hope, a hope-filled life is a life that looks forward. You're not caught in your mess, in your past. You, you can't live there. We may have to fix some things. I may have to deal with some consequences of what I did, but I'm going to keep looking forward. That's what hope does. Looking forward, not just looking forward like, oh, it's going to be terrible. Oh, it's going to be awful. Tomorrow's going to be worse than today. I know it is. It's going to be. No, hope is saying, I'm looking forward with anticipation and expectation. The hope of his calling, what does calling mean? Calling, two words jumped out. Number one, invitation. Number two was summons. I've never received a summons. Hopefully I never receive a summons. Let's just talk about invitation right now. But there's two sides to the hope of his calling. One is the one sending the invitation or summons or initiating it and the one receiving. We're going to talk about both of those today. Okay? The hope of his calling. Let's look at the first part, the one who's receiving. Have you ever received an invitation to something, to a party, to a wedding, to something? An invitation and a summons are both optional. You don't have to respond. Now, there's consequences if you don't respond. There's consequences on the invitation side. Someone invites you to a party, and you say, you know what? I've been to your parties before. No, thank you. Or I heard about your last one. Or, you know, if you don't want to go, if you've got other things going, how many of you have ever been invited to something, and you just said, nah, so an invitation is optional. You don't have to go. A summons is optional. If you're, you're, you know, someone serves you a summons and say you've got to appear in court, you can go, nah, I don't think I'm going to show up. Both of them have consequences. If it's just the invitation to a party, it's not a punishment that's going to be my consequence. It's just that I'm going to miss out whatever was happening at the party. 
Whatever they were doing, I'm just not going to benefit from it. If it's from a summons and I don't show up, there's probably going to be some consequences in the form of punishment. So what are we talking about? The hope of his calling, the first thing we need to understand is the hope of his calling means God gives each one of us an invitation. He gives each, and one, each one of us an invitation to come to his party. His party is his life that he wants us to live. And he gives you, an, an, you and I an invitation. We don't have to show up. We don't have to listen to him. We don't have to take his guidance. We don't have to do any of that. But he gives all of us an invitation. The hope of his calling, first and foremost, is that Jesus died on the cross for us. And he extends all of us an invitation to come and live his life. He's inviting you. You can come and live if you want. He said, it's going to be a party. It's going to be incredible. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be lit. Come on. you got to come to my party. He loves you. He's going to invite you, but he's not going to require you to come. So the hope of his calling is that I've got to have an expectation of anticipation that whatever God invites me to do, it's going to be good. When it says I'm going to look forward to, I'm going to know the hope of his calling, that means to you and I, our part is that when God invites me to do something, I've got to have an expectation and anticipation that it's going to be worth going. Whatever he's inviting me to do, I'm in. Jesus is inviting me to a party. I'm in on that one. There's some people, there's no way you'd miss their party. They just invite you. Other people are like, no, I'm not going. But there's some people, Jesus has got to be on that A-list of our life, that the hope of his calling, that you may know that. That means God's inviting us. The summons means an order to, to respond or show up issued by an individual or a judge. So God is inviting us to show up with expectation and anticipation. Part of the hope of his calling for you and I is showing up. Part of living a life of hope is just keep showing up. Keep showing up. Some of you, when the waves of life are beating against you, circumstances beating on you, day after day after day, I'm screwing up, I can't get past this, it's hard, I don't know when it's going to end, these thoughts, this depression, this discouragement, when's it going to end? But you just keep showing up. That's hope. I want to stir hope for somebody to keep showing up. My life's not easy. My life's not just a bed of roses, but I just keep showing up. Somehow, some way, I'm talking about this kind of hope God wants to stir up in life. Jeremiah 29, 11 type of hope that I know the thoughts that he thinks towards me. Thoughts of good, not of evil, to give me a future and a hope. A hope, that's what i got to keep showing up. Why, Chad, why you keep showing up to church? Why you keep showing up? Because I've got a hope that God has good thoughts for me. Why do you keep showing up to dream team and connect group? And why do you keep showing up to read your Bible and pray? Why? Because I have an expectation and an anticipation that God's going to work in my life. There's an anointing on just showing up. Some of you have an awful, just a sucky week, just like the devil just attacking in every area of your life. But you still show up. I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like worshiping. I sure enough don't feel like raising my hands. But here I am, devil. I've showed up and I'm praising God today. So take it. Sometimes you just got to show up. Some part of hope is not feeling victorious. It's just being in the game. I'm here. I'm here, ain't I? I could have stayed home. You could have not clicked and watched. But I'm telling you, hope is coming to people to just keep showing up. Can I tell you, keep showing up? Keep showing up. 
keep showing up. That's the first part. Jer- or Philippians 3, 13 says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call, the invitation of God. You know we have two standing invitations every day. One invitation from the enemy to look back with guilt and regret and to quit. We've got an invitation every day to quit. How many has ever felt like you had this thought, I'm done? I'm done. I don't know how many times I've heard this. Somebody come up to me and say, Chad, or, or Pastor, whatever, you know, the conversation. They say, Chad, I'm done. I'm out. Can't do it no more. Can't hang. Can't handle it. I'm done. Right now, nowadays, the culture, they even shorten it to just, I can't. I can't possibly. Can't possibly what? Whatever. I can't possibly. It's like a general statement. I can't. You can't what? I can't. I can't. What happened? They've lost hope, right? They just can't do it anymore. We've got an invitation from the enemy every day to quit, but we've also got an invitation from Jesus every day to keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Keep believing God. Keep coming back. Keep worshiping him. Even come back with our mess. We keep screwing up. We keep dropping the ball. Just keep showing up. The grace of God is available to us. The only way we don't benefit from the grace of God is when we keep ourselves away from God. And that's what the devil wants to get us to do. He wants to get us to quit, give up, stop swimming. But if we will just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Come on, Dory. If you'll just keep doing it, the grace of God's available. Too many people are giving up on God because they think God gave up on them, but he has not given up on you. He never gives up on you. You just keep swimming. You keep showing up. The grace of God is extending to you. The love of God never fails. We got those two standing ones, so just keep showing up. The second one, the second way, I want to issue this. So the first part of the hope of his calling, we're talking about receiving. But I want to drop something in your lap today that I think maybe challenge some of you. So an invitation or summons is received from someone, but it's also initiated by someone. Everybody, anybody ever sent out invitations? Maybe you sent out invitations to your wedding. Maybe you sent out. Maybe uh, you sent out invitations to a party or something like that, and you're hoping that people will show up. You're hoping that people will come. But I want to talk about the legal aspect of a summons, because I saw summons, and I almost overlooked it, because I'm not a legal guy, and I thought, you know, that, let's just stick with invitations, and God just kept pointing me back, pay attention to summons. So I'm like, well, I got to don't understand what that means. He said, well, that's why I want you to study. So I'm like, okay, get off my back. I'll study a little bit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so I looked up summons, and here's what a summons is. A summons is issued by a judge on behalf of the person making the claim for what they are legally entitled to. So like in a civil case, a person presents their case with evidence before a judge, and they may have an advocate or an attorney who knows the laws and the rights and statutes better than they do go before the judge and present their case for them. So you've got a case, you gather your evidence, you've got a complaint, and you go before the judge and you present your evidence to the judge, and maybe you have an attorney or an advocate there with you to help you present the case more accurately because they know how you can present your case the best so that you can get the results that you're legally entitled to. So you present your case before the judge, and if the judge deems your case worthy and legal, then he will issue a summons to the complainant, to the person that you have an issue with, and they have to appear before the judge, and then the judge will make a ruling on the case. So notice what happens in this. I have to gather evidence. I have to know my evidence, and I have to present it to the judge, and the judge does a summons for me. So now, 
back to our scripture, knowing the hope of his calling, the hope of his summons. What could that possibly mean? Know the hope of his calling, the hope of his summons. Here's what I put together. I hope this blesses you. Isaiah 41, 21 says this, present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reason, says the king of Jacob. Present your case. Isaiah 43, 26 says, put me in remembrance, let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. And 1 John 2, 1 says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. All right, and we'll put this together for us spiritually. We understand it naturally, how you would go and try and get a summons before a judge. The hope of his calling, we are filled with expectation that when we present our case before the judge, our Father in heaven, in the courts of heaven, what we are legally entitled to, then our advocate Jesus will support any evidence given. Here's, here's our evidence of what we have a right to. So there's two sides to the hope of his calling. One, God's asking me, am I going to keep showing up? I've got to have an expectation that I keep showing up. The second part is I have to have an expectation, anticipation that God's going to show up on my behalf. If I know the hope of his calling, that means when I go and I pray before God and I build my case, I present my case. And what does that mean? Let me give you what that means in layman's terms. Building your case or presenting your case is gathering evidence, scriptures, Bible verses on what you have a right to, what you are entitled to, and you bring them before God in prayer. And Jesus, your advocate, is there to help you defend your case. And the righteous judge makes a ruling in the favor of those who bring evidence according to his word. Here's what I didn't know. I didn't know in my life that I could actually build a case and bring it to God and pray and see God change and move in my life. I didn't know that I had a right to stand before God and say, God, I believe that you're going to work on my behalf. I believe that there's evidence so that the enemy has stole from my life. He's stolen my, in my relationships. And so now I bring my case and I say, God, I want this in my favor. I didn't know that I could do that. But when we understand this value of presenting our case before God, God's going to show us the hope of his calling. He's going to show us what it means to have hope when we get beat against something over and over and over. It'll help us in our relationships and our marriages. I gave this example earlier. In our, in our marriage relationship with Don, we're coming up on 21 years. You got to understand this about, about God. When we know the hope of his calling, know the hope of his calling, I have to know that God's going to show up on my behalf. But too many times we're waiting for our circumstances to change before we're filled with hope. We're waiting for things to get better before we get hopeful. But can I tell you this? Don't let, well, I'll phrase it this way. We have to make a decision on what our feelings are going to be instead of letting our feelings tell us what decisions to make. I made a decision 21 years ago to love my wife. Made a decision. Now this is not to condemn anyone who's got a divorce or anything like that. I'm just gonna talk this out through an illustration in my, in my situation. Along that way, I haven't always felt like it. I don't always feel like loving her. My feelings don't always line up with that. Sometimes, I don't feel like it at all. I'm just going to leave it at that. Sometimes she doesn't feel like it. But I made a decision. And here's what happens. When we make a decision that we're going to stand before God, and God, I'm going to ask you to empower my decisions. I'm going to ask you to show me how to feel. 
that I've, that I've decided I'm going to know the hope of his calling, that I'm going to present my case that what the enemy has stole in my relationship and my situation. See, if I don't know, the eyes of my understanding have to be enlightened. What I didn't know before is I didn't know that my enemy is not my spouse. My enemy is not that person that you're at odds with. Your enemy is the devil. So now when the enemy tries to come in and tries to divide, his, his choice is to try and divide my wife and I, trying to get in through, dis, through uh, disagreement, whatever. He tries to come in and cause rough. This, if, you're, if you're not in a marriage relationship, man, you need to learn this now. You say, I'm not married, I can check out. No, you need to check in right here because feelings will not get you through a marriage. Feelings will not get you there long term. You got to have a decision that I'm going to do it. So the enemy comes in, tries to split us up, tries to get us in argument, tries to get us off in our corners. And if I'm not careful and I'm missing the boat, then I then I get I get looking at her like she's the problem. But when my eyes are opened to who the real problem is, right? I look at the situation and I go, I'm a moron. Why? Because I let the enemy rob 24 hours of my relationship with my wife because I chose the wrong attitude. I let my feelings make my decisions. But knowing the hope of his calling is that you're looking forward with expectation and anticipation that not only am I going to keep showing up, so now... I go, I go to prayer, and I go before God. I say, God, when are you going to fix her? When are you going to make her better? When are you going to change her? All this stuff. And God said, well, I'd, I'd like to change you first. <laughs> I'd like to fix your jacked up thinking right now. And I get you fixed, then we'll worry about her. <laughs> so that's what happens. When you come to God, you present your case. And God's saying, hey, I want to do a work in your life. But you've got to have a hope of his calling to keep showing up. So my encouragement today is for those who have lost hope. People that you're swimming in your circumstances and you feel like it's, you're drowning. You're up to here, you're like, Chad, I can't take it anymore. I give up. I'm saying God of hope, the God of hope. Look what this scripture says, Romans 15, 13. We'll quit here. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want somebody to keep showing up because you're filled with hope today. Not filled with feelings. I'm not always filled with feelings. I'm not always filled with well, I just think it's going to get better. No, sometimes I feel like it's getting worse. Sometimes I feel like my life's going to pot. Sometimes I feel like nobody cares. Sometimes I feel like nobody notices. Sometimes I feel like God's on vacation. But keep showing up. Keep trusting God. Keep believing. Then I want you to also believe and be encouraged today that God's going to show up. He's going to hear your case. You present your case. Present the evidence. Come to God in prayer. Say, God, this is what your word says. I come before the judge, and I'm taking back what the enemy stole. I'm taking what belongs to me. I'm not going to let the enemy rob me of my strength. I'm not going to let him rob me of my joy. I don't have to listen to depression anymore. Uh -uh. I've been set free from that. So I'm coming before the case and presenting my case before the judge, and I'm saying, all right, depression, you got to go. 
Why? Because the authority of God being given by the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I have the ability to stand before God as a son or daughter of the King and say, hey, I got a complaint against the deceiver. And I say I'm not listening to him anymore. Jesus, forgive me for living below your promises. I want everything you have for me. I pray that God will fill us with hope today. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.